Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here for another episode. As always, thank you so much for the support on social media, whether it's on our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Thank you so much for all of that and all that you guys do to promote our show. I can't tell you how much I appreciate the messages and the support that you guys have given us. Now, today's topic is one that every single coach goes through between seasons. We're going to talk about reflecting on the end of the season and then preparing for next season. We'll get into the planning for next year, as well as ways that we as coaches can grow. It's always a period of transition going from our team that we had the previous year, and then trying to figure out the best way to move forward as we move into the next year, which seems to rapidly approach as well. The offseason is such a valuable time for us, and I'm very happy that our guest is spending a little bit of his time to talk about his process transitioning from one season to the next. So I'm very happy to be joined by a head coach at Middleton High School. I'm happy to be joined here today by Coach Trent Harrison. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for spending some time talking about this, this topic. It's, it's great because every, every coach, I feel like, always is looking for ways to kind of refine or reflect or think about their valuable off-season time transitioning from one season to the next. So this should be great. Uh, coach, let's go ahead and get started with your journey. Where's the game of basketball taking you? Where's your coaching journey taking you? Well, I actually uh, started, I went to Middleton High School myself, the coach, the school that I coach at currently and teach at. Um, from there, I actually went to Dillon, Montana uh, to play football at the University of Montana Western, uh, part of the Frontier Conference with Carroll College, uh, Eastern Oregon, uh, MSU Northern, schools as that such, um, as a quarterback. And after a few years of some concussion issues, um, forced me to end my career a little early, and I ended up shooting in the gym a little bit. And the head coach, uh, Steve Keller, who's now at Great Falls University, said, hey, what are you doing now? I said, well, I, I got an, a year of eligibility, but I got two years of school left. He goes, well, why don't you come play basketball for a year, help us out, help us with the team. You're probably not going to play a lot, but we could use the body. And, uh, and then come and sit the bench the next year, your last year of school as a student assistant. Um, and that was enjoyable. So I went. I did that year. I ended up graduating. I got a student teaching uh, position at my former elementary school with one of my former coaches. And then I went on to Jefferson Middle School in Caldwell to become the eighth grade A boys basketball coach for one season. <laughs> it was uh, an interesting season uh, as my first paid coaching position. Besides one year as a two-room schoolhouse head coach for a school in Grant, uh, Montana, a ranch school. Um, way out in the middle of nowhere uh, in Montana. After, the, after that uh, middle school year, they hired a new coach named Bob Peterson. He's actually, I believe he coached at Casa Grande in um, Arizona now, but he hired me to be his JV coach uh, at, middle, at Caldwell High School, where I was the boys JV coach for a couple of years. Um, after that, he uh, went back to Arizona and I got the head varsity job at Caldwell high school for boys. We, uh, we went to the state tournament for the first time in 17 years. 
Um, I remained at Caldwell for three years after that, coaching boys. Um, when, that, uh, when that all season ended, I ended up being an assistant at my old high school for the girls program um, under Jacob Doty. I did that for one year. After that, the job became open and I became Middleton High School's girls head varsity coach where this was my uh, first season. Along the way, I did some uh, internships under Scott Garson at the College of Idaho, who is now an assistant at Santa Clara. Um, Colby Blaine, who is now the head coach at College of Idaho. Uh, so I've just really just been trying, staying within the Treasure Valley, the Boise area, trying to learn as much as I can from whoever is willing to teach me. Now that that's awesome, and and one of the real cool things about having, you know, different stops along the way is all the different people that you get to learn from. I think that that's like super valuable that you get to learn and work under all these different people. And so, yeah, it sounds like you've been learning a lot along the way as well, which I'm sure we'll get into. And in addition, coach, I know that you uh, do a little bit of coaching with football as well. And so I'm always curious when I talk to my guests who coach multiple sports. Um, for you personally. What ideas has like football, whether it was playing or coaching, what has that exposed you to that's kind of transitioned and helped you a little bit with coaching basketball? Well, I think discipline is, is a big is a big part of that. And when you think discipline and you think multi-sport athletes, football tends to come to mind just stereotypically because of the demands of the physicality, the the two days in the heat and, and the conditioning and and all those things that football requires you to do to play one game a week um, makes it easy to, to convince your girls and your boys like, hey, you guys, you guys get one, you guys get one or two practices to prepare for this game. Like we got to be efficient in this two hour practice in, in football. Sometimes you get a week, three, four, five, sometimes six days to prepare for a game, uh, including film. But sometimes in basketball, you're playing the next night. Mm hmm. And you don't have time to you don't have time to waste, and not like you do in football, but you just really have to be efficient with your time. And I think so. The discipline, being efficient, make sure your days planned out. Because um, I, I mean, my whole life, I've I've been coaching football for eight nine years. I also have coached varsity golf. I've coached baseball. Um, I took I took the spring season off this year because we have, like I said earlier, when we were, you and I were talking, we have another uh, child on the way. Um, and I just really wanted to concentrate on our girls this spring and having a new baby. Yeah, I, I can imagine if you are coaching that that much that you have to be pretty well organized, pretty efficient and everything like that. You're going to have to uh, have everything laid out the way that it needs to be in order to, to, to make the most of it. And I'm sure that's going to help here uh, with what we're about to talk, with, talk about. Um, so let's start with the process that you kind of go through at the end of the season. So the year, the year's done, everything's wrapped up and you're, you're sitting wherever it is you are, your office, your home, wherever the case may be. And you're, you're doing your kind of reflection and you're thinking about the process of, of that at the end of the year. What do you do to reflect and assess on the previous year? Well, the first thing I do is I, I, I take 48 hours and I make sure I don't look at film. I don't watch I don't look at the reports. I don't look at anything like that. I just take 48 hours to try to just decompress from the end of the season because, as you and I know, only only one or two teams get to end their season on a victory. Uh, and so sometimes you, your, your brain is a little cloudy with emotions at the end of the season if you, if you don't end with a win. And so I take 48 hours, 
and I, I, and I, which usually means you come back on Monday. Sometimes I take a personal day on Monday um, just because coaching three sports and stuff, just like, uh, need to take one. Uh, the first thing I do is, okay, how much money do we have for the summer? I mean, you're coaching high school sports at a public, a, a public school. You're like, how much do I have for the summer? How much do I need to raise for the summer? How much do we have in our account right now? That's the first thing I do. And then we get, you know, we talk about uniforms. Now, luckily I have, my staff is amazing. Um, I actually wash and uh, dry our laundry ourselves. I collect jerseys after every game. So we don't have to worry about girls losing them. Um, <laughs> but at the very end of the year, we make sure that we collect all the uniforms, make sure that we have the, every single set practice jersey. I mean, they all the girls had two sets of practice jerseys. They had um, a resistance band. They had a tennis ball. They had dribble goggles. They had a jump rope. We just had, they just have a checklist through their Excel, through my Excel sheet, and they just have to bring it in and they have to unzip their bag, pull everything out, make sure they have everything, put it in the bag, put it back in the bag for the next girl, the next season who wants that particular number. Um, and then, then we have our inventory for our jerseys. So then we know, okay, with our financials, how much do we need to spend on replacing a practice jersey or a game jersey or, or a tennis ball or anything like that? So we just, so we, that's how much we, we figure out our financials. After that, after that, after we finish our financials, we look at okay, gear. Do how do we need new basketballs? Is the state changing the state ball? Because in the state of Idaho, sometimes they've changed the state ball a couple times over the oh, last really? ten years, and they're changing it again huh. this year because TF uh, one thousand is no longer making their the classic ball that they decided to use the last few years at the state tournament. So they're changing it. So Obviously, I expect us to be at the state tournament, so I want to use whatever ball all year and all summer and all spring that we're going to use at the state tournament. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, okay, do we have to spend any money on basketballs? No, we're good. Okay, well, we host state tournaments for lower divisions, and we get two free basketballs every year. So I was like, okay, so we need 15 to fit the rack, but we get two free. I got to buy 13, I, uh, and I got to make sure I donate those other basketballs to the middle school programs that we work closely with so that they use our old basketballs because they don't have the ability to fundraise for their, you know, six-week season uh, for equipment. So we make sure to help them out uh, in that regards. Then once we make sure that we have all our financials in terms of equipment, jerseys, everything like that, we start looking at summer. You, your inbox gets flooded with invitations for uh, summer ball tournaments, um, summer leagues, um, we are actually in the process of potentially going up a classification. So I asked the 5A if we could join their summer league, and they actually ended up giving us a couple of a couple of JV and varsity scrimmages. And then we have to find out, okay, well, if we're hosting, well, that's officials. We have to pay for officials during the summer, um, which I just assume ref myself if I have to pay for it in the <laughs> summer. Yeah. So uh, after that, we plan our summer. We uh, we set up we we put all on the I got a whiteboard behind me that I have all the dates of every single tournament in the state of Idaho that we could travel to and in the nearby areas now obviously you know not a lot of states outside of Idaho are going to play uh, a summer this year or you don't know so that's why mm -hmm. we're trying to potentially stay in Idaho because usually we go to a team camp and we're just not sure if they're actually going to do it this year we usually go to Oregon State and I'm not sure I haven't seen any information that they're having it this yeah. year so then it's all financials. Once we get all our financials done, I, I, I dive into our uh, huddle assist reports, 
look at our weaknesses, our strength. I mean, obviously you look at this stuff all day, every day during the season. <laughs> and then at the end of the season, when you have the game totals, you have all 19, 20, 25 games, you look at your efficiency field goal percentage, your offensive rebound, all, you look at all of it. And then you start to look at what girls you have coming back and how are they going to affect those numbers. Mm -hmm. And when you're looking at, because uh, I do the same thing, I'll look at game film, um, you know, at, at the end of the season when we don't have, you know, any, any more games coming on, I'm looking more at it or huddle assist or whatever the case may be. Are there things that maybe you see or, you know, try to pay more attention to when the season is completely finished versus when you're kind of going like day to day within the season? Is it, does, does that look any different or is that about the same? I think you spend more uh, attention to yourself as a coach. You start second guessing, was that the right call in that situation? Mm -hmm. what, should we have should we have stayed in that defense or should we have not switched that defense after the timeout? Or you just look at all these things. I think you, you start to second guess yourself because as coaches, we want to be, we want to improve all the time too. So you you look at it you're like, oh, I don't know if I should have called that. I don't know if we should have, if we should have ran this because it didn't exactly prepare us for the state tournament. And then you look at subs. Should I have subbed here? Should I have not subbed here? Should we played, should we played zone on a baseline out of bounds instead of man? Should we switch yeah. everything? I mean. I know for a fact after the first round of the state tournament, uh, when I first watched that game film and, you know, you're going up against the best girl in the state, she's got several D1 offers. Her parents both played division one basketball, both played professionally overseas. You're just like, should I have face guarded her the entire time? Should I have doubled any on ball she got? Should I have face, should I have face guarded her the entire court? Should I have doubled her every time and then just gave up whatever to their second or third best score? And the whole time you're like, you're second guessing yourself. But you're like, man, that girl's good though. <laughs> <You're trying laughs> yeah, right. To, you prepared for her all week, <laughs> and she still had 37. You know, and you you think, well, I have, I have girls that are really good defensively that probably would have held her to less than 37 points, but I know offensively we probably wouldn't have scored as much. Mm. So. It's just one of those things you just you look at all this film and you look at all these numbers and you go, like, what could I have done different? What could I have done better that have made us more made us more efficient? What could I have done with our younger players that are still are going to be returning? What can I do differently with them now that they're upperclassmen, now that it's their senior year, or now that it's their second year on varsity that could help them be better prepared for the state tournament? Mm. And does that lead into certain changes that, that you might make or certain things that you might do from whether it's like an offensive or defensive or just like a schematic viewpoint? Do you make adjustments based on those things that you, you see on film or do, do you make tweaks? Or I guess to further elaborate on that question, what's your process of deciding, you know, how much you want to change versus how much you might just want to tweak or just make adjustments to? Well, I look at who we're losing, and I've never been a component of, like, this is my system. And I and I listen to some of the other coaches on uh, your podcast and talk about, well, like, Phil Jackson's always going to run the triangle. No matter what, he's going to make it work. Well, mine's always – I was always taught KYP. I had a head coach, uh, Brian Dethridge, always say to us, KYP. And that was always know your personnel. Yeah. He would say, you try to make this pass to this person with not great hands and they drop it. You can make that same pass to a different teammate, but know your personnel. Know who you're going to give the ball. Make sure that you're putting them in a position to be successful. 
And so I've never been a component of like, we have to run the dribble drive. We have to run the continuity. We have to run the five out. We, I've never been a component. I look at what do we have? Who do we have coming back? What are their strengths? And what are we going to do offensively or defensively to make them excel? And so honestly, after looking at our film all year, and so it's like, okay, I think we have five, we have four of our five starters coming back. We have five or five of our top six players coming back. And then, <laughs> you know, there's always potentials for transfers and stuff. And you never know that until the next season or until summer ball starts and someone moves in. But right now I'm completely open to whatever is going to be helpful for us. Now, offensively, I think we can do a lot of the same stuff because we have a, a girl named Peyton Hymas who she's coming back for her fourth year on varsity. She just got 4A SIC uh, Conference Player of the Year. She's first team all Idaho. Um, and a lot of the offense is going uh, to run through her. She's a, She splits the defense really well. We set a lot of double on balls for her. We set a lot of horn actions. Um, we have her push wings down and come off on balls into the continuity. And so we're probably going to do a lot of the same stuff offensively. Defensively, we're going to be a lot more athletic and a lot faster. And I think we're going to pick up uh, a lot more full court, put a lot more pressure on teams. And we talked a little bit with personnel and, you know, you got to go through the process of knowing your personnel, understanding who's leaving, understanding um, who might need to step up or replacements and, and things of that nature. Do you have conversations with your players about that end of this, at the end of the season? Do the players kind of know like what their role is going to be for next year? Or do you have to kind of talk to them or explain to them, like, here's what I'm going to need from you the next year? How does that conversation go? Well, uh, we definitely talk all season about it. Um, I, have, I have an amazing assistant uh, named Mackenzie, uh, Mackenzie Royce Radford, who played at the College of Idaho. She's just recently out of college. And, and she's an incredible buffer between me being – uh, you know, mid-30s male to her being a, a girl that wasn't in high school that long ago. So I, I can explain their roles with Coach Max standing next to me, and those girls will understand it. And if they, if they don't understand what I'm what I'm saying, <laughs> they talk to Mac afterwards, and then they walk away knowing their current role. So we have – I have conversations – because I'm in the building, I have conversations with our girls coming back almost daily. They have a third-period weights class. I have a third-period prep. I go make sure I say hi to them. Uh, four of those five starters are in that class. So I talk to them all the time. We've already started open gyms. So I'll pull them over. You're not really allowed to coach. But, you you know, you say, hey, you need to be a better leader right now. Your role is bigger now. You can't let the girls play like this. It's your voice now. It's your team now. Here's the keys of the bus. And so we talk about it all the time. Uh, I just spent <laughs> – yeah, excuse me. Yesterday we went – I went and played – or watch them play at a club tournament that was actually local. And I watched them as a fan instead of a coach. Mm. But then I was like, hey, good job. They're like, coach, thank you. I appreciate it. But what did I need to do better? What did I need to work on? So they were always expecting me to talk about it, even when I just watched them as a fan yesterday. <laughs> so we definitely we definitely talk about it uh, constantly, constantly. And and with teenagers, communication is key too. But with, with high school with the high school girls, they really, really want to know what they are so coachable and they want to do well for you so bad. And they, they'll do whatever it takes to get on the floor and to make their coaches happy. Mm. Yeah, I know. I, de I definitely agree with that. And I really like the idea of, you know, having that constant communication. So 
the players kind of know and, and they, they're used to those conversations and, and they're kind of ready for that. It's kind of an ongoing process like that. I, th I think that that's really good. Um, we talked about um, summer a little bit. And so I'm curious, what is your kind of goal or objective in, in the summer? What are, you, what are you really looking to see or get out of it? What, what is your hope for a successful summer for your program? Well, everyone probably likes to say they want they want to win every game in the summer, but that but to me, with a combination of potentially six seniors and maybe three, four sophomores, and not knowing who I know, I know my returners can play well together. They've been playing together on like the same club teams since they were in the third grade. They've been playing together every year forever, so I know I know they play well together. But my goal for this summer, because I've looked at my personality, is how are these girls who are two, three years older than their teammates potentially this year, how are they going to bond? How are they going to have chemistry? So when my assistant and I looked at these tournaments and stuff in the area, we're like, well, we have to get out of the Valley. We have to get out of the Valley <clears throat> once so we're not playing the other teams in our conference because we're not trying to just beat the other teams in our conference. We're trying to get better, even if we lose. We're trying to get better because we have to build a chemistry between these girls who are have two or three years of age difference, you know, because when they are, when our seniors are gone and some of them have played on the varsity team for three years, it's going to be these sophomores. It's the keys to the bus is theirs. And they're going to have two years after that without all these senior studs. So when we look at the summer, we're looking at, okay, who plays well together? Who's our top eight? You know, because you always, you know, you like coaches like having 12 and, and sometimes parents don't like when you say this, but like every coach, need, you need eight, you know, and I used to have coaches tell me, uh, you know, play eight, trust seven and win with six. And we got to <laughs> find out who those six, seven, eight are uh, in the summer. And that's yeah. our goal. And are you during this process as you're kind of getting everybody sort of um, acclimated with each other and playing with each other. Do you use the summer to work in any, any new things offensively or defensively? Like how do you work in anything new, I guess, coaching strategically wise in, in the summer, or do you not do that? Well, we'll have two weeks of practice before our first summer league uh, tournament. Um, and because we have so many returning seniors, there's a lot of leadership involved. Uh, and they, they are going to take those girls and, and put them under their wing and they're, they're, they're an amazing group of girls. Um, they're not going to, you know, be that stereotypical senior that, you know, tries to haze and, and, and bully freshmen. Mm -hmm. And uh, they want them to be successful because they know if I need a breather, I need to trust that girl to come in and do well for us for two or three minutes. I need to trust her. And she needs to know exactly what coach is expecting. So when we, when we look at it, we're thinking, okay, what do these girls do well that maybe our older girls might not do as well? What do these, because these other girls that are coming up have also played together forever. You know, it's just, that's just kind of how it goes in waves, right? Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure you know. Okay, what are these girls' strength? What are these girls' strength? And how do we make it one super strength for all of us? Mm -hmm. And what we can do with certain groups that we can't do with other groups. And there's a lot of times where, we're like, we, we have those, we're this summer, we're going to have those returning girls and they're going to run their stuff that they're really good at. And 
they're going to, we're going to bring in some other girls and they're going to try some new things uh, based on their strengths. Now they're going to have to get to really know our stuff too. Uh, but they also know that I'm going to have to make an adjustment and get acclimated to whatever coach Harrison and coach Mac need from me, but also display what I'm good at too, which makes coach Mac and I go, Hey, I think we can try this with this group. I think we can go five out with this group, or we really need to get it inside with this group. So again, we're all the KYP. We, and whatever that is, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, doesn't matter. We'll try anything to put our girls in a position to be successful. Anything. Sure. No, no, that's great. And with that, you've mentioned a couple of times about the idea of, of knowing your personnel. Um, as a coach, how do you assess what you think a, a player can do? versus, you know, just kind of sticking with the things that they've always done. Are there certain things you look at at players and you're like, I know that you're really good at this, but I bet that I can also get you to, you know, get better and, and do, you know, X, Y, and Z. How do you kind of evaluate talent in that way, kind of in the off season or in the summer to kind of push them to maybe try or, or go out there to do new things? Well, there's that, that adage, you know, a lot of people love to practice what they're good at, you know? <laughs> the shooters right. come in the gym during when they're warming up and they shoot, they shoot, they shoot, they shoot, they shoot, they shoot. And they're like, I'm good at this. I'm comfortable practicing this because I'm good at it. It makes me feel good about myself because I'm good at it. So we had tell the girls like, you're really good at this. She's really good at this, but she struggles with exhibit A, B or C, but you don't. So why don't you guys go together and work on the same loop? Make her try stuff that's uncomfortable for her. And then you help her with the things that you're comfortable with. So when we evaluate players, we're like, okay, obviously these X, Y, you, these girls are our shooters and we need to get them shots. But these other girls can shoot too. They just don't have the same swagger or confidence about it. Mm -hmm. And so we work on, okay, you could be as good as this girl if you had her confidence. How are you going to get as confident as her shooting the ball? Well, I don't know, coach. I was like, I was like, go try to beat her. Go work a drill together. Get on the shooting gun and try to beat her. And keep going until you do. Keep working with her and only her until you beat her. Because she's not going to – she's going to get better because she doesn't want to lose to you. And you're going to get better because you want to beat her. And so we always have – we don't always have – a lot of coaches have their best players do the drills together, like zigzag drill. Um, we call it Manny drill where you stay inside the, the lane line extended all the way down full court. And then if you turn it over, dribble out of bounds, you have to switch. Yeah. Well, the top two girls are usually the best ball handlers too, best defensive players too. So we put bad defenders with really good ball handlers. It was like, you got to get better because I can't have you on the floor if you're really good at offense and not good at defense. And I can't have you on the floor if you're really good at defense, but a, an absolute liability on offense. So find a way to merge them. You got to work on your strengths. Don't just practice the things that you're comfortable with, that you're good at. And I think what that also does is it lets the team in a way kind of kind of bond with one another and players kind of work with maybe players they normally don't work with. And I think for a lot of coaches, that's something that they really look forward to, to doing in the summer is, is that kind of a way of, of, of like bonding and in, in what ways does your team kind of come together and kind of gel with the new pieces that are coming in in the summer? Well, uh, 
obviously it's going to be new for me with this girl. First of all, this is only the second year that I've, I've coached girls. I've coached boys and men my for the first eight years of my coaching career. So this is actually this, going into this summer will be the first time I've actually had a summer ball as a head coach mm. with girls. Girls, yeah. Um, so just for a quick example, if anything off the top of my head, because Matt, Coach Mack and I are constantly talking about how we're going to get these girls to bond, how we're going to, because they already get along, but getting along and bonding is different. So first thing we said, well, in practice, you know how they usually just, they want to do the drills with their, their friend, their, their close friend. They want to do their form shooting. They want to do their partner shooting with their friend or their, their good buddy. Well, every, she said, every, every practice, you make the groups. It's okay. Uh, Peyton, Risa, you guys are on hoop two. And then Cassidy and Sheridan, you guys are on uh, hoop three. And so it switches every day who their, who their shooting partner is. Mm. And so they're not used to just being with the same person. Because if you, same thing, like I said, if you're comfortable, are you really going to be pushed? Right. You know, and if you have an older girl shooting with a younger girl, that younger girl wants to, wants to impress that older girl. Sure. You know? Yeah. And the older girl wants to show the younger girl what's up. <laughs> So they're going to push each other. Uh, yeah, so I, I like that. That's one way we bond. I, I like that a lot for like competition in a way too. And I think in, I, I think in, in that situation, as you kind of mentioned a couple of times, right, that the, the younger player, they, they kind of understand the level that they got to get to. And they, they have like a real in flesh example of like, oh, like, you know, I might have been good before I thought I was good but here's you know this the senior and okay this is the level I got to get at and I think in a way the, that just kind of helps them grow and helps them have you know almost targets that they have to like set for themselves it's almost a case where you as a coach don't really need to say it you can just pair them up together and that player just sort of like gets like okay this is the level I need to get at sort of thing yes absolutely well and and to be honest, I walked into a really, really good situation. Middleton girls basketball has won four state titles in the last uh, 15 years. There was a coach here for a long time who was actually the girls coach when I was a player here. Um, he's, uh, he's at a 5A school in Boise now, Timberline. His name is Andy Jones, great guy. He was my, he was my math teacher. Uh, but because Middleton girls have been so good for so long, um, and there, the coach before me that I worked under was amazing. The coach before him was amazing. The coach before her was amazing you know and they win every team wins and goes has been to the state tournament so like knowing your personnel is is great and all but I know that I better work my butt off because I don't want to be the coach that loses and the girls are the same way they don't want to be the Middleton girls team that's not good so they just they're just super competitive they do not want to be the the class that's not good and, mm. and that tradition has just built character and they just like, they just work so hard as a motivation. So they're not the, they're never the team, the Middleton girls team. That's bad. Yeah. That perfectly segues into the next question I was going to ask you for you as a coach, uh, the, the off season is such a, a valuable time to kind of grow or get better or, or just kind of work on your own coaching craft. So um, what have you done or what do you plan on doing to kind of work on yourself as a coach and, and work on getting better um, in that way? Well, like I said, when I go over the when I go over the film and the numbers and all that stuff, that's fine, too. But I also really look at my 
when I watch films, sometimes because you know, you know, coach, you probably watch a film way more than once. Maybe one time just to watch, one time to to do stats, one time as a fan, one time as you know, as as a coach. Um, but I sometimes I'll watch the film and I'll see how I reacted. I'll watch mm. I'll watch my body language. I'll watch my staff's body language. I'll watch the bench's body language, and then I'm like, okay. If I say I have a negative reaction to something or to an official or anything like that, then that's the president that I'm setting for my staff and my girls. So I will go through and I will watch myself on film and how I act. Was I efficient in a timeout? You know, I will judge myself harsh as well, just like I did as a player playing the game. Uh, and so that's one way. And then the other way, I mean, and a lot of coaches know this, it's no secret in the world, but but YouTube is such an incredible free resource for coaches. I mean, it's just endless. There are times where I have my prep period where I have my computer and then I have a TV screen that plugs into my iPad and, and then a laptop and I got four screens going on uh, and they're all playing. So I just press play on, it's like uh, dribble drive offense on YouTube, you know, and you know how automatically plays, everything automatically yeah. plays. And then you come back from the restroom and it's talking about something completely different. <laughs> but still basketball yeah. and you're like, Hey, I really like that. And I would have never found that if I was searching for it, you know? And so yeah. YouTube is such an incredible, incredible resource. Networking is huge because you can be biased on your team and I can be I'm biased with my girls. And then I go talk to a rival coach who is a rival coach, but also a friend and a colleague. And you're like, he goes, I think you should have done this. Or another coach said, you know, she was like, I, I think you should have picked up more. I think you should have subbed less. I think you were too nice. And you're just, so networking is huge as well. And then the coaches clinics, if there's ever a chance to go to a coaches clinic, not only if you're a teacher and you need continuing ed credit, a lot of times they it's 60 bucks or 70 bucks and you get a credit for your continuing ed where you can move up around the career ladder. So any local school, we, we're lucky to have College of Idaho, uh, Northwest Nazarene, CSI in Twin Falls. Um, TDCC in Ontario, uh, Eastern Oregon in LeGrand, and they're always offering coaches clinics where you can get a credit, you're benefiting your education career ladder, and you're also learning something, but you're also there with every other coach you played that season or played against or coached with if, if you've been at multiple schools. And you're just networking. It's a great time. And it's, it, I fully expect everyone to take advantage of those. They, they should. There's no reason not to, especially if you're a teacher and a coach, which I am, and it's perfect. And I think those, I think those clinics, like you said, one of, the, one of the really awesome things besides the things you can pick up on that is, is just talking to other coaches and kind of being outside of your own, like, program for a little bit and actually stepping out and, and talking to, to other coaches and other programs and I think coaching can get a little little insular and you kind of get in your bubble with your program and it's just kind of nice I think to to, to talk to others and, and you actually mentioned that which which brought up a question to mind when you're talking to other coaches and especially the ones that you played against who are you know giving you advice or giving you feedback or um, you know suggestions how do you as a coach kind of parse through all of that and, and decide like, okay, you know, this, this is something I, I think I, sh I should do, or, you know, you're saying this, but this, this won't work for me. Like, how do you kind of parse through all the bits of advice that, that people give you? 
Well, as you probably know, coach, not every, not all advice is gold, right? Yeah. Fool's gold <laughs> <lot>. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so a lot of it, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it can be backhanded compliments, you know, it's like, you know, that sounds really nice, but I know that that's not as nice as you're probably expecting it to be. Um, but you take everything with a grain of salt because sometimes the people that you talk to, they are your friends. But sometimes you might be talking to a coach that really doesn't like you or your program, you know, that has that has struggled against you in the past, you know, and, and, and might resent you for it, which to me doesn't make any sense. Um, coaches, we're all in this for the right thing because the right reason, because it's not pay. You know, most of us are not making anything based on our hours. Uh, so I want to get along with every single coach in my conference. Every, I want to meet every coach. I ask every coach in an email, what's your email? I'm just trying to build my network because I've been coaching boys for so long. And it's a completely different world. It's the same world, but it's a, a different universe, if that makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when I talk to those coaches and I, and I hear their feedback, I remember every it's, – it's a fault of mine, but I remember everything anybody's ever said to me, whether it's a compliment <laughs> or an insult. You know, and, and so yeah. I take it and sometimes, you know, you write it down as a motivation and sometimes you like, okay, I need to write this in it. I need to write this in a note on my iPhone or whatever, and then delete it so that I remember it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and to me, it doesn't make any sense when coaches uh, don't get along because in the, in the span of life, you're really not going to remember this win or that win or how much you won by her, but you always remember how people treated you. You know, yeah. I couldn't tell, I couldn't give you a score off the top of my head right now, but I can, I can tell you what coaches I really respected and what coaches I was like, okay, I would never do that. You can always learn something from those clinics, talking to people. The best part of those clinics is, is the, the social or, or eating pizza at lunch, because that's where you learn a bunch. You don't learn. Sometimes you don't learn anything when you're actually watching the clinic, you know, but you yeah. learn from the other coaches. But yeah. All in this for the same same reason, and and so I want to get along with every coach. Well, you know? I think that we can get caught up in the idea of like having like rivals and rival schools, and and all of a sudden you think that 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 other coach is your rival, really, but that's not really the case. <laughs> you know, you end up you talk to them and you have a conversation with them, and you know if. if there's somebody you respect and you like, right? They're, they're doing the same thing you are, which is, you know, growing, growing men, growing women, sharing the game, you know, doing all, all the right things. They just happen to be working at that school and you happen to be working at the other. So uh, I, I think that makes a lot of sense that you can grow a lot from those conversations. And no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I'm, cu I'm curious, has there been a clinic in particular that, that you've gone to before, like the actual clinic itself that you fought was like really beneficial? Is there like one clinic or a couple clinics you can think of that you thought were really, really good and useful? Well, obviously pre-COVID, the Nike clinic in in um, in Vegas is is top notch to me. And I've only got to go one time, um, but that was just top notch. The experience, the atmosphere, like talking to coaches from all over the country and, and potentially some of them all over the world from Australia, Mexico, uh, Canada, and you're just like, oh, I've never even thought of that. That's not something that's ever crossed my mind as a coach. So to me, that's the most beneficial one. Um, but to be very real, the fact that I've learned so much from the College of Idaho, right here next to my hometown, 
and my parents are both alumni, so I might be biased. Um, and I would have gone there if they had football at the time. They didn't. They just recently added football the last five or six years. Mm-hmm. But I've learned so much from Coach Scott Garson, who uh, who let me do an internship when I was the JV coach. So I would go to our JV basketball practice in town and then go to his NAIA college basketball. And this is a Division One coach. This guy is at Santa Clara right now as an assistant, but he was at UCLA under Ben Howland. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking to this guy, I was like, this guy is Kevin Love, Russell Westbrook. Like, this guy has coached some actual dudes. I'm going to be extremely focused listening to him talk. I don't care how tired I am. This, God knows you might not, he might not be here forever. This is a yeah. huge resource. And then when he decided to go back to Division I basketball, and he's at Santa Clara, he, they hired his assistant, who's Colby Blaine, um, who I actually went to college with at Montana Western. He was a he was he was a senior. I was a sophomore. We didn't really talk much, but I knew who he was. He knew who I was, but we didn't really talk much. But he's been such an incredible resource here in town. I mean, he coaches in the um, Cascade Conference, but I I firmly believe that he is a Division One basketball coach, and he's coaching at the NAI level. And when I get to go to those practices or go in during halftime of their games and learn and watch, his clinics have been amazing. Listening to him talk about everything, anything basketball, you ha- it has you on the edge of your seat. Yeah, it's it's always great. I think you go to those clinics and you have like a really good like speaker, somebody who's just like super engaging like that. And it's like sometimes I know I, I I've seen those where the content necessarily wasn't maybe even what I didn't know if I was going to be interested in. But then like sometimes the speaker is just like so good. It's like all right, I'm paying attention to every single word <laughs> that that they're yeah, saying. Exactly. And sometimes they're funny. Yeah. Sometimes they're just telling stories. You know, they've been coaching for sixty years and they just tell you some stories, and that's enjoyable too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, we have uh, listeners who are in a position that you are in, Coach, where basketball isn't their only sport, and I know that's the that's not the case for you. And so they have this this, this basketball off season, but then you know if it's football season, they got other stuff with football going on. Maybe other c- programs have other things going on. So how do you balance basketball versus you know the other coaching things that 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 you have going on and and the other sports that you're involved in? Well, like we spoke uh, briefly on it, just making sure that your day is planned. You're not wasting time either driving back home or, or stopping to eat, you know, unhealthy at a gas station or a grocery store or whatever. You just, you got to plan it out. And just for a quick example, this summer, I know that on Monday through Thursday, I have freshman JV football weights where I'm in charge of the weight room. And that's 45 minutes to an hour. Then we go on the field and we run routes and go through our, our, uh, go through our offense. Then we come back in. I come back in 10, 1030 for our girls basketball practice. And then after the practice, the girls lift. So from, I drop my son, I'll drop my son off at daycare. Uh, my wife is a marketing director. So I drop my son off at daycare and <laughs> go to the high school. And then sometimes in the, well, in the summer, sometimes I'll golf afterwards before I have to pick him up from daycare, but that's my day. I drop him off at seven 30 and then I'm in the weight room, football field or basketball court from eight to 12 one o'clock, you know, and sometimes yeah. I go golfing after that playing quick nine holes with some other coaches, you know, cause you gotta remember, you gotta have fun. You gotta have, you gotta take care of your mental health too. You gotta get exercise. 
I mean, people think that just because you're on a court or in the weight room or on a football field that you're getting exercise, but it's typically the opposite. You're actually not getting any exercise. You're, I mean, besides steps. So, yeah. uh, so that, I mean, those are my days and in the summer. Um, and then Thursday or Thursday, we have a quick basketball practice Friday for the first three weeks of June. We'll leave early in the morning because all of our places are, you know, five, six hours away for the tournaments that we're playing with this year. We got to leave early because we can't really spend the money to leave on Thursday and stay the night. So we got to leave early Friday, you know, and then you do it all again for four weeks, you know, and then it slows down a little bit at the end of June. Um, but you're still going to football even when summer ball is over. And then you still want to open the gym for the girls. So it doesn't, it's not mandatory, but it doesn't change. You're still in there. They're still getting on the gun. The only difference is, is in July when it's, when it's not mandatory for the girls, like you can come in your office and get some stuff done, um, prepping for the next season or for the next, uh, for your education or what you're teaching your lesson plan and stuff like that. But you can open it up and they can lead themselves. Um, but it really doesn't slow down just because it's summer. And when you're coaching multiple sports, it can, it can get tiring. And, and I'm actually glad I actually decided to take, I usually coach baseball too. And I decided to take, take it off at my, at my wife's request, yeah. you know, um, which I don't blame her. Um, but that's, that's well-deserved. I think it's a well-deserved yeah. break, especially with, with children, one on the way, if a young one you already have, I think, uh, I think that yeah. probably enjoy that, that time, even though I'm sure it'll get, it'll obviously get taken up by something else. Oh, well, you <laughs> know, when you, well, you know, when the day's over with coaching, you got to find a way to pump yourself back up because you got you got a 16 month old and you got to be you got to be there for him too. Sure. You got to be ready. You can't just be tired. He doesn't care how tired you are. He doesn't understand. So you just you got to come home ready and put your game face on in the driveway and wake yourself up, you know, slap your cheeks a little bit, drink some water, maybe a Red Bull and say, OK, it's yeah. dad time. Yeah. And <laughs> that that goes with um, even if you had like. Long days at work too. I know. So we've had coaches who talked about, you know, really long days at work, whether they, you know, they're teaching or whether they're, you know, working, you know, a different sort of job and, you know, they might be tired after work and, you know, they got to bring that energy to practice and then, you know, further extrapolates to, you know, you got to go home and, you know, if you have a young one, especially you got to, you got to, got to be on. So yeah, uh, I, I like that. Have a Red Bull there and, and, and get into the dad mode. That's great. Yeah, for sure. Um, you touched on a couple of times uh, the practices that you do in the summer. So I'm curious about, and, and I know this is kind of be your first year with, with this particular group of girls in, in summer practice, but what would a good, in, in your opinion, like a summer practice look like? And how does that differ with what you're trying to do, you know, during the season? Well, in the season, uh, we like I've, I've said a bunch of times, we have to be really efficient with our like our EDD, our everyday drills, like where the girls get going. They can't waste time because we have we know we have to get in film. We know we have to get in a practice plan or in, or in terms of strategize for the for our next game or next two games coming up. So that's the season is like okay, we got to make sure that we're staying on point with our skills. We still got to work on what we're bad at. We still got to get them in shape. But in the summer, it's a little more lax in terms of not expectations, but we got to really work on what we're bad at too. Like, mm -hmm. and it's okay. It's okay to struggle. It's okay that we're doing a ball handling drill and you're dribbling and you're, you're losing the dribble every three dribbles. 
you know, because you're going so hard. It's okay. And they don't feel bad and they don't feel sad in the summer because they're just like laxed. And, you know, sometimes in the summer we'll play music uh, and, and they'll just like, okay, well, I'm going to struggle today, but I'm going to have fun struggling, you know? Yeah. And, and so what we do in the summer and what we're planning on doing is we still have our EDG, wherever our everyday drills, where we get in our certain amount of shots. We get in, we, you get, we get in our defensive slides or actually I don't like the defensive slide thing. I like push step, push step, push step. It's much quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, we still work on those things, but we always give them the opportunity to work on what they're not good at. And like I said earlier, we make them go with girls that are good at those things. And then we have stations. And this gives us an opportunity to develop our staff too, because usually I like to work with the shooting guards. I played shooting guard. Um, my assistant was a point guard. My other assistant uh, played forward center at Southern Oregon. You know, so we make, we'll switch and I'll take a step back and go, okay, this is the summer. They don't need to hear my voice. They yeah. need to hear each other's voice. They need to hear the, the, the other staff member's voice. So I'll have my Frost, JV, my program assistant, my assistant, they'll run a station for 10 minutes and they'll start, okay, point guards go with Coach Mack. She's a point guard. And then we'll switch. And they're like, Coach, why do I need to know this stuff? Why do I, I'm a point guard. Why do I need to work with the centers? I was like, this man is going over footsteps. Like this guy's going over your proper footwork. Like you're telling me that if you have a smaller guard on you with your strength and your ability that this working with him for 10 minutes is not going to help you become a better basketball player. <laughs> this could change you from averaging seven and a half points a game to 10 and a half points a game. This just this 10 minute segment. And then we'll switch them again. And the point guards are like, why am I working on this? I was like, you're telling me that you can't benefit from shorting the pass or a, re- a proper reverse pivot or reading the defense if they're top side, low side, if they're playing you straight up. Well, no, I guess I never thought about that. I was like, okay, well, listen up. Cause he knows his stuff. <laughs> You know, and then I get to walk around to all the stations and just and watch and help and and you know uh, decipher like this is what he means, and then I can show them in line when it's not their turn, and then I move on to the next group. Hmm. You know, and you talked about uh, just now about your your staff, you know, r- running some drills or running some stations and um, in, in the summer, is there anything else that you, you talk about with your staff? Are there things that you specifically want maybe your staff to have to do in the summer or, or work on in the summer? How do you kind of work with your, with your staff, uh, maybe in a, outside of like a, a practice type setting? Well, I, I always tell them, I was like, I did not hire you guys to be on my staff to tell me what I want to hear. Do not tell me what I want to hear because you're trying to make me happy or, or impress me. I need you to give me your honest opinion. I need you to tell me the truth. I need you to tell me that I'm being too hard or I'm being too soft or I'm subbing too much or we should try something different. I need you to tell me. I need to trust my staff that I can delegate assignments to them and not worry about it. You know, not worry about what they're teaching. Uh, so what we talk about all the time is be honest with me. Like, what should, what do you guys think we should do in the summer? Because we've all come from different backgrounds. I mean, my one assistant, he, like I said, he played at Southern Oregon, but he was also a track guy. Then we got my one coach who played point guard at College of Idaho. Then I got another one who won five state championships, one in softball, one in basketball, one in soccer. Like, like they've won a lot. These staff members have won a lot more in their playing careers than I ever won in my playing careers. So why can't I listen to them? I need them to be honest with me at all times. 
and, yeah. and then I will take whatever they say, and I might not use it. I have the final say, but I want them to feel like they can speak freely and and be respected because I've been on staffs where where I just stood there and I wa- I basically watched practice for two hours, and, yeah. and that's <laughs> not that doesn't help them develop. It doesn't help them feel invested. It doesn't help them feel respected or important. It doesn't make them, and we all know that we need good coaches. The public schools, private schools, charter schools, we all, club coach, we all need good coaches that want to keep doing it. And you do it for the kids. And if you don't feel like you know anything or that you're respected, then you're not going to do it. Then we're finding new people that are inexperienced. So Mm -hmm. let them get experience. Like, for example, this summer, my assistant coach, there's times where I'm going to be the, I'm going to, it's the summer ball. I'm going to be the assistant. I'm going to be the rah-rah guy on the bench and she coaches them. Yeah. No, that's, no, that, that that's great. I think that it, it, it kind of gives them, gives them the opportunity and it's summer ball, right? So it's not, yeah. it's not super stressful, right? It's not, not, not this big, super stressed out uh, It's not going to be in the paper or Twitter the next day. Yeah. Not right. That. Yeah, so exactly. Get better. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you, do you still film things in the summer? Are you still, are you still like looking at like film in the summer and, and, and things like that? Are you going over that sort of thing? Oh yeah. Um, lucky, you know, and with the cameras now today, you don't have to have somebody manning it. You know, you have the huddle focus, um, or there's that, I forget the other one, something pixel. I don't know, but you can just on your iPhone or your phone, just press record and you can record practice. You can record the summer. If, it, if you're in your own gym, you can record it. And there's parents that'll record too if the school doesn't have those things. So, and it's, it doesn't hurt if you go, okay, like sometimes just to give girl confidence, holy cow, I can't wait to watch that on film. That was a legit move. That's what I'm talking about. That's why we worked with the post coach. <laughs> you know, yeah. that was awesome. That's what I'm talking about. So you want to use it for evidence too, because if the girls feel like you care about them enough to do the work, even in the summer as you do during the year, they were like, man, this guy, his assistant, his staff, they like really care about us. I better be invested because they care. You knew it's obvious. So we, yeah, we filmed during the summer and, and we don't always necessarily go through film like we do during the season, but because of huddle, they all have their login. They can go watch it. I was like, Hey, did you notice how well you played from the 10 minute mark of that running clock to the six minute mark? Two steals, two offensive rebounds, a great screen, a great look. Like, that's what I expect from you all the time. They're like, yeah, coach, I saw that. And then they're super pumped the next day to come to practice. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that's great. And especially if you can pick out those, like, those things and they, they, they do it really well, especially if they translated perfectly into something you went on in practice. Like, best feeling ever, I think, to see it, like, all come together in fruition where they apply one and, and are able to use it in the other. That's great. Um, we talked a little bit about um, some of the things that, that might be altered or might be changed in the offseason as you as you work into next year. Are, what are your maybe like your, your coaching like non-negotiables like from year to year? Like this is not going to change because this is what I believe in as a coach. What are some things that are always in, that you believe are going to stay constant? You know, that, that's a tough one because, you know, this year they, they put some regulations on stuff. Like, yeah. I, I want all three of my teams in my program to warm up together. Let's all be in the main gym. Let's all do our dynamic warm-up. Let's all – then we'll do the first 
the first 10 minutes of each practice is skill development or is there stations and all three teams are going to using all six hoops. And granted, some schools don't have that ability to use to have three courts within walking distance and and six hoops in each gym and, and other things like that. But I we weren't allowed to do that because we had to separate them in case one team tested positive. Only that game was canceled and not the JV and varsity game or only the varsity game was canceled and the JV and Frost still got to play because we were separated. Yeah, yeah. Even though, you know, the girls are all in class together. They drive to practice together. They hang out on the weekends. But those are regulations. So my non-negotiables are we warm up to become, but, you know, obviously as an admin, <laughs> Coach Harrison is not the admin's boss. So I got to listen if that's the regulation. But my non-negotiables are we work, we warm up together. Like we do everything together. I don't care if you're an incoming freshman who's the seventh or eighth person off the bench. I don't care if you're the all the all Idaho player of the year or whatever. Like we're warming up together. And then we're doing the first 30 minutes of practice together. Because that's how I feel like it's it's like that hashtag three teams, one family. And you can't be three like teams, that. one family if you're always separated. You know, yeah. and a lot of times freshman girls or JV players, they don't feel like they're part of the program. And that's the one thing that I absolutely hated about this year, especially first year as the head coach with girls and not being able to do that and build that. That was extremely frustrating. So now that there's less regulations, like we're doing a lot of stuff together, including and the summer, like a lot, almost probably everything together different hoops but we're gonna all be in the same gym and and that's sounds like in real extra uh benefit of the summer is now you can get everybody back together and everybody's kind of working together and and they don't they don't feel separated no i'm the same way i've had situations of where i felt like teams were kind of separated and then all of a sudden I needed a player to like step up from one level to the next. And they had like, they'd been so separated from that other group that they like didn't really mesh in. And and I, I'm sure that that sort of situation is, is asked to be mad, would be maddening for you as it was for me. Well, you know, coach, if, if, if you have to take a girl, say she's on the freshman team, but she's playing really well, but then you have some injuries at the JV level and, and then you have to bring her up to play two quarters or a game. If she's never played with the other girls before, she's going to be super nervous and you're actually going to backfire while you're yep. trying to get done. But if she's comfortable and she's played with those girls, she's done drills with those girls. She knows those girls' names. It's way, it's going to help. It's going to benefit your program immensely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and just that, that comfort level, it's already, I think nerve wracking enough for some players to move up as it is, but let alone move up with players who they haven't really played with before. Know that well, it kind of really compounds things for sure. For sure. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Uh, awesome, Coach. Uh, to wrap up, there's a couple questions I, I ask every guest, so I'm going to go ahead and start with this first one here. Uh, thinking back on your coaching career, what is a coaching moment that you think our listeners would be able to learn from? Well, I think uh, one thing comes to mind. Uh, you go from you go from coaching at one school district to another, and sometimes there's bridges burnt. Sometimes it's it's a good you know separation. I feel like if you're doing what you feel is best as a coach, never doubt your abilities as a coach. You're going to second guess yourself on decisions. You're going to, but when you look back on that experience, maybe it didn't work out with another school district, you know, 
if you're doing what you fully believe in your heart is the right thing and you're coaching the right way and your your expectations are correct and just and and, and honorable you're going to get another opportunity don't mm-hmm. think that because it didn't work out there or it wasn't a good fit that you're not a good coach or you're not a good educator you put the time in you did the right thing you know in your heart that you did everything to the best of your ability you're gonna get another shot to be a coach don't think that you have to be in the same school district forever which is great and I would love to be at Middleton for the rest of my career but I know that if that's not what the case is going to be that I did everything right or to the best of my ability and I gave everything to those kids those parents that community that school district uh, my colleagues I gave everything so that if I was no longer a part of that I was still uh, respected when I left. So don't think that just because it didn't work out somewhere else that you're not falling forward in life. And, and, and honestly, I feel like I fell forward in a lot of ways. I learned a lot. I got another opportunity. And right now it's working really well for me. And I'm really glad I didn't give it up. Awesome. Yeah. I, 100%. I, I love that a lot. There's always, always new doors that, that open up, always new things that there, there are opportunities. And like you said, falling forward. And, and currently, uh, you've had all these stops along the way, but, but you're currently in, in such a great spot right now because of that attitude, I'm sure. That's great. And then, uh, Coach, I give every guest what I call my 60-second soapbox. It's your platform to get out your final thought, your closing message, just a final idea that you want to leave the listeners with. So, Coach, I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor for that so you can go and take it away. Well, this and when I got your email earlier, I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I have a soapbox um, <laughs> that I really want to uh, a stand on or, or deliver. But one small thing, I think Idaho needs a shot clock. I think that has to go out. Idaho needs a shot clock. Um, there's no reason why the state of Idaho is so far behind in terms of scholarships for men's and women's basketball players at the D- Division One level um, when scores are 35-25 or 55-45. Uh, there should be a shot clock. I think it makes players have to put the work in, have to get better. It makes coaches um, need to be better coaches and better prepared and more efficient with their time, their practices, with their skill development, uh, with their players. So I would say shot clock, shot clock in the state of Idaho. Um, the second thing I would have, I would say is if you really are in coaching for the long haul, um, players and parents will go, come and go make sure you take care of your, you know, you're always going to, sometimes you're going to be up, people are going to be upset with you. You know, you're, even if you're doing your best, always make sure that you are the best husband and father, son, grandson, you can possibly be, you're going to get caught up with the time commitment, reach out to the people that got you there along the way, make sure they know that you are there because of them and that they are still important to you. Yeah, really well said, really well put. Always always have to keep that in mind. Always easy to get caught up in the basketball, and, and sometimes we, we forget to, to to water those uh, figurative plants as well. So awesome. Yeah, so, oh, absolutely. Then, and Coach, once you bring that shot clock to Idaho, you can bring it over here to Arizona too, okay? <laughs> I think it just needs to be a, a national thing. <laughs> Uh, good, good stuff. Uh, Coach Harrison, I want to thank you for spending some time talking about your program, talking about the offseason, preparing for next year and, and all the steps and 
program philosophies and all the great stuff that we touched on today. It's, it's been really helpful and really beneficial. So I want to thank you for spending some time on that. Um, good luck. Uh, best of luck with the new child on the way. Hopefully everyone's safe. Hopefully the, everything is safe with your program and you're able to hit the ground running in the next year. Thank you so much, coach. Well, thank, thank you for having me and uh, go Vikings. <laughs> thank you all for listening. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. We will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.